welcome to Michigan HockeyCast 5.17, where we're going to pin down Alex Drain and figure out what does he really think about outdoor hockey games. As you know, this weekend, past weekend, we had sort of a special situation with a throwback to the way the game started with an outdoor hockey game that took place in a big football stadium. I thought, you know, we'll get into that game and probably some of the specifics of why certain things happened, but I thought it would be interesting to kind of just debate a little bit what we both think about outdoor games in general. Because I think that it's probably very different perspectives from a player, from a coach, from a front office, to media, to even fans. And so we can kind of go back and forth as to, is this, are these good things? Are they not good things? Like, are they fun? Are they worthwhile? Should they count? <laughs> All that kind of stuff. Do you have a starting point on, on, on outdoor games? For example, this weekend, when you saw it on the schedule and you saw, okay, Michigan's going to play Ohio State in Cleveland in a football stadium, your original thought was? Um, I like outdoor games as a idea, but then when I was actually watching this, I decided this was a bad idea because I think that if you wanted to do that game, you needed to do it at a different point in the season. And I think it's diff- It's harder for college hockey than NHL I'm fine with. I think that they've started to – by the way – we didn't talk about the fact that it was the same day as the NHL's outdoor right. game at the stadium. Well, that's one. part of the good comparison. And the NHL game was at 8, and yeah. the Michigan-Ohio State game was at 4. Like So NHL outdoor games, to me, are fine because they're in the regular season, and the regular season doesn't really matter. And Well, each individual game. And they do them – right. And they do them in – the middle of the season, typically they're at the winter, you know, winter classics, January 1st or 2nd, and then the stadium series games are typically in January or February. And that part of the season is like the most meaningless part of the season. Because the trade deadline has So the first couple months of the NHL season are exciting. You're getting to know the team. You're yeah. getting a feel. You're getting a feel of the standings. And then the deadline and the post-deadline, if you're a team that's competitive, is exciting because you're looking at the new players you have, seeing how they slot into the lineup, and then seeing the, you know, the chase to the end of the season, the standings, playoff matchups, all that. But that January-February is just a grind in yeah. the NHL season. It's August in baseball. baseball yeah, yeah, no doubt. And so to do those games then, it's like, oh, this is fun because this gives us a reason to watch this game and not just sort of stare blankly at the screen <laughs> while it's on. Um so I like them then, even though they're totally hokey. Like, that's the whole thing about them. They're yeah. just, you know, circus games. And it it's fun because these games don't really matter. And in college hockey, I think it's a lot worse because, you know, Big Ten season, the a regular season Big Ten game is worth three and a half times what an NHL regular season game is, right? You're going from 82 to 24. So it's... Or those games actually do matter. Like the Big Ten <laughs> games do matter. Yeah, especially and if you're playing against a team that's also good. Good, and if it's later in the season, mm-hmm. I would be okay with outdoor games in October. Problem is, you can't really do them then, uh, right? Yeah, because October, be... like it doesn't like if you wanted to do Michigan Lake State in late October, 
And, At like the North Pole? Yeah, like I, I have no problem with that. Yeah. But February, January, February of a college hockey season, yeah. those games matter. That is an, a hugely important part of the season. And then to do them outdoors, it's like kind of just making a mockery to some degree of the stakes of the game. Yeah, I mean, there needs to be planning, and usually when you set up a stadium like that, it's not just the one game. Like, like you, you there, need... was a, there was a USHL game, there's an AHL yeah. game, there's high school games. There's... I mean, when there, yeah, when I, uh, when when the big chill happened, uh, what was that, 2010, yeah. December 2010, my cousins were in high school at the time, and my one cousin played on Skyline's hockey team, Yeah, and they played... I think they were a joint team with Huron because Skyline was a new school then. But anyway, they were playing somebody. I think it was Pioneer, maybe. Well, Pioneer um, definitely played right there. Yeah. So Skyline played somebody at uh, you know on the big house, big house rink. Did you go? I did. Yeah, we were down on the field yeah, walking you around. Could get, yeah, yeah, you could get yeah. like right up to the boards. Yeah. I we went and watched. Yeah, I was at that game too. <laughs> Surprisingly, <laughs> so it, that was one of the coldest days I yeah. remember. It was frigid. Yeah, um, it was at night. Yeah, I, it might have been like a six o'clock thing. Yeah. yeah, it was like in December, so it gets dark really early. But anyway, point is, um, you have to get such good weather, I think, for outdoor games to really work. Because if you go too far to the heated side, then you get these, you know, poor rink conditions, games that just are not really games. I mean, the one that occurred on Saturday was a minor example of this, with obviously the Lake Tahoe game being the infamous one. And then on the flip side, when you go all the way sort of the other direction towards like cold or snow in particular, then it gets also kind of bad because uh, it can be like, you know, the players are numb or for example, the, you have to shovel the snow off. Well, also no one wants to sit out there for that. Like for the right. fans at, on Saturday, it was perfect. There were people, most people didn't have jackets on. Yeah. I mean, so the winter classic, they've done two in my memory that, that were snowing. And so during the the first one, which was like the famous one, the Buffalo, the Buffalo one, yeah. Pittsburgh one, watching on TV, you're like, "Wow, this rocks!" Yeah. Like it's 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 snowing, it's cold, it's like picture perfect. Yeah. Then I went to the Winter Classic uh, in 2014. That was the other one that was snowing, snowing a lot harder, by the way, uh, between uh, the Leafs and the Red Wings. And I was at that one, and it was like, "This sucks. This is terrible." Like I would love to watch this on TV, but yeah. we're sitting very far away, which is a problem with outdoor games. Yep. And Snow is hitting our face, and we're trying to watch, you know, from a million miles away through a blizzard. Like, yeah. this is bad. <laughs> and so you have to get, like, that 27 to, like, 34-degree day that's right there. It's just cold enough to keep it freezing, but it's not really that cold. Like, it's just really hard to nail, and that's why you should do them with games that are that don't really matter. Yeah, the fun part about them is sort of the spectacle yeah because like you know we we're sitting so i got to walk around the field for a while and i took some pictures and especially during warm-ups you're like right next to the glass and that's a really cool thing you watch the players walk out and they actually had a lot of people at the game i don't know if they announced attendance but someone had told me that they sold fifty thousand tickets which seems like i think they said forty thousand. yeah well okay but that's still like a ton right yeah so that part's kind of fun and like all the periphery stuff of it, of it and, and where you're sitting. And, and actually our sight lines were pretty good from the box because, you know, you could see up and over the boards. But I was looking at it like, man, if you're sitting in the bottom like 20 rows, you ain't seeing nothing. No. <laughs> like, I mean, like there's just it's, – it's awful. You'd rather sit in the, in the, in the upper deck because you could actually see the game like, like you had previously said. So that part was, was fine. But 
you know, once the game gets going, and we'll get into this, you know, in the second segment, but, you know, by the second half of this game, like, the ice is terrible, right? Yep. And not only is it breaking that they had to stop the game, but even, I mean, pucks are jumping everywhere, and, like, you know, then you basically have a 25-minute third period, and, <laughs> like, it's just a, it's just, it's a sham. Yeah. And, you know, I think Ohio State in some ways was a little better built for it and could sort of withstand it, but... um it just was you get kind of, it's kind of it's it's like eating a lot of ice cream it tastes really good and you're really excited for it and then 2 or 3 hours later you're like oh, i don't feel good this is too much ice cream and now i'm just kind of sitting here with this big lump in my stomach that won't digest and like that's sort of what they feel like is the, the lead up and there's the excitement and if you win it it's like this experience but the game itself is not usually anything to write home about yeah, it's like the uh the basketball games they do on their craft carrier or, <laughs> yeah. you know, all those kinds of games that you know, they I, shoot 24% from the, <laughs> from the field. <laughs> I think that the field of dreams baseball one is better. Um, yeah. Because that's more regular, but like the, the weird college basketball location games and then outdoor hockey games, like those are, are interesting games to do because you're going to remember them. They're going to be memorable for the spectacle and everything else, but you have to remember they're really goofy and, you shouldn't take that much away from them. Well, the Field of Dreams is just a small minor league stadium. I mean, it's not a with minor corn. League. Sure, but it's just playing the same game right. in the same circumstances with fewer people around. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's the thing that's fun, great but... about baseball is it's really easy to just kind of replicate. Yeah, right. Like we talk about this with the All Star games too, where like. The NHL and NBA All-Star games are so bad. Yeah. And the NFL had to stop those. Yeah. <laughs> but MLB is still like good because you just can't fake baseball. You still have yeah. to throw the the ball. You still have to swing the bat. Yeah. And if it's hit to the shortstop, like he can't not throw it. Like you have right. you have to play like <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not, just not equivalent to those other games. It's not like play well, for All-Star games we play in mud, you know? Like Which that's... by the way, my one point on this. Okay. It's really insulting that these players can't just like even play just like a fun game, right? Like I'm not asking you to like be taking charges or whatever. What do you mean? But like in these all-star games, like the, they're just like, – there was Like the, the, the ones that the, – the people that sit out? No, like I'm talking about the games like the one last night. Just like oh, there right, are different yeah, yeah. clips where like, guys are just literally standing around. Like, they're not even trying. And, I, and again, I'm not saying take a charge. Just like run up the court, take some shots, have some fun. And actually, so it didn't. And it's the same thing with the NHL one. Like those players, like they go down on a two on zero, they pass it twenty five times between each other and don't even get a shot off where they score, and they look like they've, you know, <laughs> they look like they're they're apologizing re, they're, for not passing. They, it again. they look like they're rekindling with like an estranged relative. Like <laughs> they look extremely mad and unhappy to be there. Like can't you just? I don't so know. The, it, it's the, just very insulting to me that they can't even. Uh, this is mostly before you were born, but the NBA All-Star Games didn't used to be like that. No, none of them I mean, really they used did. to be, you know, not as fierce and competitive, but, like, you'd get in the second half and teams would be, like, playing really hard, and you couldn't not play defense. And then, you know, probably 15 to 20 years ago, it started to trend, and now there's literally, like, no defense. And so, who who wants to take a dunk this time? Who's going to throw up an alley-oop? And it's, like, it's, it's not even a basketball Somewhere game. along the way, these, you know— multi-million dollar athletes decided like it was uncool to even pretend for like a day to humor children like <laughs> it's just i don't know there's we're, just something uh, that is we're getting off into yeah. a completely different topic but i don't disagree with that and but that's part of the reason i've 
don't watch it. I mean, all star games are, are are not for adults anyway. Like they're for children mostly. Yeah. But like, or they're for celebrities. But you can at least like just right. you know. Are you a celebrity? Like the the fact that like we play harder in like you know at the park basketball than these <laughs> dudes. Like I mean, like come on. Craig's a celebrity. Wouldn't it be crazy if you're like <laughs> watching on TNT and okay, sitting courtside was like Jack Nicholson, and the next day was Craig Ross. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, all of Craig's rec league games, no doubt, more entertaining and intense you, than the All Star. Don't you games. wish you could go back in time? Like, like I'd rather sit, watch those. I, I, this like, is what I'm saying. No doubt, it, we'll, we'll sit around on a Friday night and he'll tell us a story about his Thursday night game up at like Tappan or or whatever. What's the local? Yeah, it's Tappan. It, it, I think my don't ultimate, you wish you could go back and watch one of those? I think my ultimate Craig point is that up? is that many many people who love these sports and don't play them professionally try hard and have fun for no money at all. And then the supposed best in the world are basically just like, well, if there's no money, we're not, it's not worth trying. It's the uh, the pendulum <laughs> is swung the other way. Yep, that's that's how that goes. We should get into what happened this weekend. Although, uh, hopefully, we're not going to disappoint you, but we're probably not going to have a ton to say because one of the games was very fluky, and the other one we could not see what happened. So. Michigan does not have a great weekend. They basically have the opposite weekend that they have the previous against uh, Michigan State, where they take five points. This weekend, they take one point, and they get it on Thursday. They win. Sorry. They lose in overtime 4-3 to three on Thursday, and then lose 4-2 to two and don't get any points on Saturday in the previously stated outdoor game. Um, there are a number of reasons sort of for this that we will get into. Uh, but, you know, the, the Thursday game was... I wasn't really sure what to expect because, you know, the previous series they played about a month before against Ohio State, and that was like the single worst game Michigan had played since you've been watching them. Uh, Yeah. I mean, Michigan's had some not good games, and they've played not very well at times. But wow, that was a bad game. And then the second night, they kind of rectify it, and they, they win, and they, they don't look perfect, but they look better, and... You think okay, maybe you know they they can't adjust to things, and it's not just Ohio State owns them, and blah blah blah, whatever. So I wasn't sure how it was going to happen down in Columbus because it's a one-off game basically, and then they go to the outdoor game. And um, I, I mean, Ohio State mostly took it to them, except Michigan scored goals for the first two <laughs> periods. Um, you know, we can start right away. Is like Ohio State pretty much owns the first half of the first period. I think they were leading six to one in shots. Uh, Michigan isn't playing super well. Duke, Tyler Duke hits the post. And then um, there's a face masking major. So this has become a point of, of talking about is like, you know, you and Brian and I were watching this game and, and you guys were both like, we've never really seen face masking. I mean, it happened to Michigan a couple times this year. And what even is that? And then now it's like popping up all over the place. <laughs> I, I have nothing to say about face masking. It's the <laughs> dumbest thing I've ever heard. And then um, Friday in the... And so what is it? The Penn State... By the way, what is it? Well, I think it's when you grab a guy by the face it's, mask. It's, so it's face wash? Because you don't... Because obviously you don't have you don't have masks. My guess is... In, in NHL, right? My so guess is, Well, it's if you kind of like... It's like if I just came over and like rubbed your face right now, nothing would really happen. I would just sort of push against Because you. here's the thing. But those I, Those kinds of cages and hockey gloves, you can't like grab and yank the head violently no, but, back the way you can in football but well so, you kind of can because if i get under your chin and pull up so on what it, i've seen is that it's like basically just pushing the chin up 
Yeah, but you might be grabbing onto the bottom of the helmet. <laughs> and there's nothing you can do then because your head is locked in. Right? I mean, it would be like if I just grabbed your chin and like started yanking your head around. Like that would be – except that I wouldn't – in this case, you wouldn't even be grabbing someone's actual face. You'd be grabbing an apparatus around them and they're locked into it and so – I mean, I don't know. But so how is that a major penalty, but punches being thrown are not? Well, that's a different. <laughs> I, I just don't. I, I, it doesn't make any sense to me. Well, you're asking for logic from college hockey refereeing or Big Ten refereeing, which, uh, yeah, you know. So I was talking to Peter, and he's like, because I think in in football, being punched in the head is obviously less dangerous than face mask in in football. Yeah, because like, the guy's gonna the, break his hand. Because <laughs> like, yeah, and and obvious, and what I mean is that like. You see those plays where the guy goes by, puts the the fingers in the face mask, and the head is bent like yeah. backwards. Yeah. Like that's really bad and very dangerous. Yeah. But these face masking calls we've seen, I have not seen any difference from that versus like anything else. Like there's scrums, guys throw little jabs, little hits. Like there's a little touch to the heads here and there, and then it's like, oh, this they touched it in the wrong place. Oh, that's a five minute penalty. What? Yeah. So Seamus Casey is back in this game. He had missed the previous, what, two weeks? Two to three weeks? Something like that. He's back, and he gets the face-masking call. So Ohio State has a major. Now, this is a a major penalty, but is not a game disqualification. Or not a disqualification. Whatever. Game misconduct. All the words are different. So he doesn't have to leave the game. He's just out for five minutes. And Michigan kills the penalty pretty simply. And then right after the penalty expires... Dylan Duke gets tagged for a high stick, and Ohio State basically has seven straight minutes of power play, and they don't even really do anything on it. Like, I was like, I took notes, and I said they had one good chance, and Lowry had a chance on the on the major, but Michigan basically kills off those seven minutes, and they're not super threatened. The Portillo had a little bit of a fumble behind the net, but um, it ended up being all right. And then pretty soon after that, Fantilli scores a goal. He Probably shouldn't have. He scooped up a loose puck and got to basically the corner of the slot uh, on recircling back and fired, and it beat Dobish, and you're just kind of like, well, yay, but I don't think that probably should have gone in. I thought Dobish maybe should have had that. Yeah, I mean, that one was uh, was pretty far out. Didn't really... Uh, didn't really seem like that was one that, that probably should have gone in. It wasn't like a snipe where he's like, hit a corner or just hit a blistering shot. Yeah. No, I remember we were kind of looking at the replay here because... Because they didn't show them on TV. Well, because the camera was so far out, it was hard to really get a sense of what was going on there. Yeah. But even on the replay, it did look like that was not really, uh, you know, a great goal f- uh, from Dovish. And as was going to be a theme, not only in this game, but a little bit on the weekend, is um, per- just right after that, Michigan gives one up. And this is a shot from the boards by Singleton. It was a one-timer or a quick shot off of a pass, and it beat Portillo. Um, I still, to this day, have not seen that. So I can't really tell you, because they did not show a replay, and they never went back and looked at those goals. So this one, I guess, will die never being seen, at least by my eyes. Um, Somebody said it was a pretty hard shot. You had said that, Brian had said that, so I just kind of trust your opinion on that. But um, one-to-one. It was was a change-of-sides pass from one wing to the other. It was right off the entry. Uh, One-timer. I mean, it was a bomb, no question. Ohio State tweeted a a video of it, but it's from, like, the ice level in the corner. It's, like, not the BTM Plus. (laughs) Okay. 
<laughs> view, so, so there's... I can't get much more to say about it. I mean, it was a nice shot. I don't know. I'd have You'd have to see better angles yeah. to really get a sense of it. Well, it's hard to pin it on somebody if you can't see it. So we're going with it's fine, at least for now. Uh, and so and then the first, it's one-to-one. Ohio State probably wins the period in terms of play, but, um, you know, they do have those seven minutes. We go to the second period, and Michigan scores right after their power play. So they get a power play. Edwards appears to be hit in the head. They review it. Of course, it's just two minutes because this is our lot in life. And they don't score. They don't really get anything. And then Luca Fantilli flips a shot from, it's like right farther than the point, like right almost in the corner of the blue line in the boards. And it goes in uh, under the bar. I guess it's a, a good shot, but it wasn't like a sniped shot. And again, I, I couldn't tell if Dobish could see it or not. It seemed like the speed was not going to be something he couldn't match, but he didn't save it. So maybe it was seeing eye, maybe there's a screen. Again, we're not going to have a whole lot of specifics, at least from this game, because you you just it's just a terrible production. <laughs> Sorry. It's just, just the truth. Yeah, I mean, there it, it was some traffic in front. Um <sighs> Again, just watching the replay. I mean, can you tell uh, that <laughs> I, was the camera like hanging from the rafters? <laughs> it was. Act- I I tweeted at the very beginning that someone had turned blimp view mode on, <laughs> so you're just like seeing dots. Yeah, I, and that's I don't. Basically, what it was. So, the, a, a little while later, Jackson Hallam has maybe his best play of the year, where he gets a pass uh, in stride going up the right side and just blows by one guy and then turns another guy uh, below the dot swings down through the slot crease area waits till Dobish has to commit Dobish goes down to block and then Hallam lifts it high and under the bar and over Dobish in one of the sweetest finishes we've seen this year I mean to me, that's the play that we, we've seen his speed, we've seen his explosiveness, um, you know, he kills penalties because he's so quick and, and he can get out with chances, but, like, the ability to then harness his speed, turn, and be patient enough, and wait for Dobish to commit, and then be able to finish above him, I mean, that's an NHL goal, and, you know, he's has, it's not at the point where that stuff is consistent yet, or he's continuing to put it together at a high enough rate. But you're starting to see those flashes from him, who is just a freshman, that, you know, in a, in a year or two, he looks like he has a chance to be quite the player. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the <clears throat> the raw skill there is is immense in terms of his, his skating ability. Um, but you see the, 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 uh, the rest of the package kind of come together there um, to come in on the goalie, protect the puck on a potential poke check, and then curl around and, and wait him out. There was a goal like that that uh, Gustav Nyquist scored um, against Chicago in the playoffs maybe 10 years ago. And, you know, similar story. Come in, you get a step on the on the D, cut right in front, goalie goes down, then you, you are on your edges as you're waiting, 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 and then you're almost parallel along the goal line yeah. to then snip the angle. I mean, it, it's just a really impressive play. Because there's a difference between just using your speed to beat a goalie across the crease in that sense and just getting to the far post and beating him. That's a nice play. Yep. But when the goalie also gets across and you can wait and you have the presence of mind not to rush it, and then you have the ability then to sit and wait and wait and wait and then lift the puck as you're fading away, I mean, that's just a different level of goal. Yep. Pun intended. 
So it's three to one, and Michigan's kind of getting outplayed. They're getting outshot. I mean, they. It's kind of like they're not getting a lot of chances. The chances they're getting are pretty good, and they're taking advantage of the chances that they have, and in this one in particular. But you're not looking at this game and thinking, oh, this game is on lock because, you know, they're up 3-1 to one and they're just kind of controlling the game. The bummer is it's a two-goal lead, and, and it's getting late enough in the game that you're like, okay, you know, can we kill this off without just hemorrhaging goals? And again, pretty soon after that, Cassidy rips a shot from above the dot and a little outside the house, has a guy kind of on him, and uh, he beats Portillo far side, kind of posting in. It's a good shot. It's also maybe one that Portillo wants back because he might, you know, he's not really screened and the and the shot isn't from right in front of him. It was a good look. I don't know. We didn't see a lot of replays. I'd probably put this one on him more than I would the first one that I didn't see. Well. I, I don't remember this one very well. Um, and there's no <laughs> there's video no of it. Video. So, I... so we're just kind of... <laughs> riffing here a yeah. little bit hoping um so we could be way off but um so it's three to two and i think the 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 thing of note of this is that after two of the three michigan goals they can't really go very long without giving up a response and in these games you want to be able to sort of change the flow of the game by controlling it via the scoreboard when you have it and neither time that kind of happened it it didn't actually and you know, so you're still back in that one goal game as the rest of the period sort of plays out. Not a whole lot else happens. Um, Regula takes a 10-minute misconduct, so uh, abusive officials or something, because apparently that's now the, all the rage of a penalty. And then at the end of the period, McGrory gets one, so he misses the first half of the third. I'm not sure if that like plays into it. I do know that at the end of the second period, shots were 25-8, to eight, which, uh, bad. They were really uh, the referees are really keeping this game on on lockdown, um, which I don't disagree with. I mean, they there were people in the room on Thursday night that were arguing that Michigan Ohio State is not like a an area for concern in hockey. I'm like, an, I don't know, man. It's, an it's area not, for concern was that for mean? refereeing that like, oh, there's no real rivalry here. They don't fight in this rivalry or whatever. And I'm like, I don't know, man. Like until this season, Ohio State Michigan was far was like far more. Uh, feisty and riled up of a matchup than Michigan, Michigan State. Well, uh, both teams were more equal. Well, no, I mean, my point was in the f- five, six years I've been following Michigan hockey, like by far the most incidents of, of fights and other things have happened against Ohio State. I don't even think it's close. I mean, there's each year there's yeah, typically at least Minnesota, one, one Minnesota thing. Minnesota doesn't really Minnesota fight. Minnesota doesn't fight. I mean, Penn State, I don't know. Western. I mean, Ohio State was always the one that like, they're a violent team. They yeah. come in, they hit you and, and you know, it gets riled up. So uh, I completely understood the referees kind of keeping this game uh, under control. Yep. Um, and so then you think, okay, can they get through the third? Um, spoiler, they cannot. Uh, good. This And, you know, so there's a lot to this, right? So Lowry enters the zone and, has, and sort of has his back to the slot and a lot of the play. And he has two guys on him. Luca Fantilli gets back as the third guy doesn't really go to Singleton, who's the shooter in this case. He kind of sets up in the slot and takes away, quote-unquote, you know, the more dangerous area, but doesn't check the man. And Lowry is able to kind of spin back to his left and make a pretty 
insane pass between two guys and sticks right to Singleton, who one-times it. And, I mean, Portillo doesn't have a chance on this one. There's no debate there. That was... That was one of the better passes we've seen this year, especially given not only the context, but um, the difficulty. Um, yeah, I mean, this is definitely an NHL-level pass, a very best of the NHL-level pass. Yeah. Um, Lowry is a, a pretty good player, and just uncorks one. I mean, this is one of those ones where you can look at it and you could say, okay, uh, as I always say, every, every goal can be a good shot by the team that scores it and a bad one for the goalie from whoever's perspective and, and plays like this. It can be great from the team who does it and, and bad from the team that, you know, it's just the way it yeah. goes because Michigan probably should defend that one better. He draws in all this pressure and you can't let that pass it through all that stuff. But obviously really creative, very great uh, presence of mind to, to whip that thing across and, and set up singles. I mean, it's just a brilliant play. No, no question about it. Michigan should defend it better, but obviously Lowry gets credit for the initiative and in, in executing. So I, I'm not even going to ding the two guys on Lowry. No. It's it, more like Fan, it Luca was, Fantilli Luca, yeah. just going to nowhere. And I'm not saying as good is a great pass and it was a great shot and you can't blame the goalie, but you know, if you have a guy on him, the pass either A, gets broken up, B, he can't have the same sort of pass and follow through because there's a there's someone standing right in his way. Maybe the shot's blocked. Maybe the pass is tipped. Maybe maybe he gets around it and he he's still able to get it off. Not very likely, but you know you just in that position. You know I think I understand what Luke was doing. He was trying to get back in the play, and you know like in basketball when you're getting back, it's like the first thing they teach you is you know stop. You know you got to protect the basket. So he gets back to the slot. Not something you don't want him to do. But at that point, you also need to look around and be like, well, where are the danger spots? And the, at that particular time, you had two guys on the puck. The slot isn't really in danger at that time. The danger spot is the open shooter. Yeah, now you think, can the pass get through? That's yep. a completely different thing. doesn't really matter. Take the open shooter. Yeah. So it's 3-3. And for basically a lot of the rest of the game, it you know Michigan doesn't super threaten in the third period. And there were a number of chances where Ohio State – uh, could have, maybe should have won, and Portillo made a number of saves. I mean, he there was a huge scramble that he covered the puck in front. Um, they took a power play, and uh, he looked, I think, pretty good. The, the penalty kill was also good, but he was there as well. Um, and then Michigan just could not get the puck out at all forever. I mean, there was those, there was that one or two shifts that they just kept passing it to the defenseman or the dropping center who's sitting at the blue line and keeping the puck in, and you're just you're just waiting for it um they get a wraparound that actually is there and portillo's beaten to the post but it, it just doesn't go in and i'd love to tell you why but um i actually didn't see it either i just know the puck didn't go in so um michigan does get a power play they don't do much right at the very end and it actually carries over in overtime and i think as it got to overtime you know the collective thought was you know we i wish we could have should have won this game because we had a two goal lead now that lasted for just seconds or m very few minutes but when you look at the game overall and you look at everything for those 60 minutes, you think um, we were definitely outplayed and at this point probably lucky to get a point. You know, I thought through 40 minutes the stock count was psychotic. You would <laughs> mention it and I was like, what What are they doing? Wh where are these shots coming from? Okay. I don't see them. Yeah. Um, but then the third period mission was definitely hemmed in quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I thought the third period was when Ohio State kind of seized control. Early on, I didn't really have many issues. I mean, I guess Ohio State was just shooting and retrieving a ton. Not as much as that 
first series, but like, I don't know. I just felt there was some home cooking going on with the shot count because I didn't think it was that lopsided personally. But then the third period, they really got going and uh, put the pedal on, on Michigan and got a lot of looks and Michigan was just kind of hanging on. And yeah, I don't think I was terribly upset with getting a point in that situation at all. So in overtime, um, Michigan probably had the best chance before the shootout where they had the power play because someone takes a shot at, at Frantilli, goes flying into the boards. Um, you know, we didn't see a replay, but of course that's not going to be five. It was just two. And Rutger is back in the game at this point, hits the bar. And you're like, you know, you're two inches from winning the game yep. and all but sealing second place. And But you hit the bar and Duke took a penalty then. And eventually that just ended in a shootout, which Michigan lost, I believe, 1-0. The other note that happened in this game was Luke Hughes left uh, the the ice and left the bench in the first period, missed the the long five-minute major penalty kill, came back and played, and I don't think was spotted in the third period or in overtime of this game. Nope. Uh, and that kind of uh, kind of a big deal. And that probably played into a little bit of what it looked like Michigan – looking not so great in their own zone. Well, you'd also like it in the three-on-three, and then it, you know, carries over into Saturday. So it's it's a big loss, no doubt. So at 2-1, they they lose 4-3 with the shootout point, but you get a point out of a game that you're probably a little bit outplayed. Not the end of the world as long as you could get something out of Saturday. Um, They didn't, and, you know, we'll take a break. And if you want to stick around, we'll talk about that next. I can't believe I'm doing this. If you find yourself in the penalty box, you want a Michigan man arguing your case, call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul tonight. It's 248 and 924 or visit his old website at michiganlawgrad.com. off on Friday, Michigan travels north to the great city of Lorraine, Ohio. I mean Cleveland, Ohio. And they are going to play where the Cleveland Browns play at First Energy Stadium in an outdoor game that we previously sort of discussed uh, in a larger sense, not this specific one quite as much. And I don't know, I felt fine going there. I thought, okay, you know, this is a game that I think Michigan can get points out of it doesn't seem like one of those games where like they don't really have a chance although when I did get to the press box a couple hours before the game and Luke Hughes was not on 
the dress sheet, um, that was a little discouraging. Yeah, it was definitely not a great first sign, but you got to go out there and play. What, what are you going to do? Yeah, no Luke Hughes, no Truscott. And I think part of it is like, you know, they finally got Nazer back, who we'd been waiting for all year. They get Casey back. You know, Truscott was always a little bit more of a long shot. And you're like, okay, now this is sort of the team that you kind of want to see. And then, like, Hughes goes down. You're just, all right. Do we know, was it a contact or a non-contact thing? Uh, I think I was told it was a an aggravation. Yeah, that would Re- typically be non-contact. Aggravation? Right? I mean. And the way that he was walking made it look. I mean, aggravation old. would mean it's either, like, ankle or, like, groin, right? I mean, a little generally bit for hockey. Seemed more groin to yeah, me. Yeah, generally is what hockey is which is not good yeah i mean right? i mean you know skating puts a lot of pressure on well you'd rather see a little, little tweak than you would rather see something that's probably yeah. a groin but that's completely unofficial so if you say that we told you that we will deny it <laughs> even if this is recorded so no luke hughes um the other point that i thought was interesting was uh so michigan was defending the east half and in the first period, and the sun had not quite gone down. <laughs> and I was like, hmm, I wonder if this was set up on purpose or not. Um, but by the time the puck dropped, it looked like the sun was out of Portillo's eyes. It was low enough, and so it ended up not being an issue. And actually, Michigan had the first great chance as Fantilli hits the post from point-blank range uh, pretty early. Um, and you're like, okay, here we go. Maybe they're going to create some chances. Um, and then they get a power play right away. And um, TJ Hughes has a really good chance. I thought it hit the post. I went back and looked at it and it did not. They, or they didn't credit it for him. They said that, um, that Dobish got a piece of it. Um, And then Rutger misses like an open net. And you're just like, "Ah, that's like two to two and a half chances that could be goals right away. And I hope this is not a bad omen. Yeah. They had the Rutger one. I mean, that one was set up. I mean, perfectly. Yeah. Great pass, and then just just missed it. So it's a lot of penalties in the first period. Uh, each team had – I had them for like two and a half power plays because each team had two, and then um, their third were sort of split. And the third one ended up being um, a trip on Portillo. Who did he – I mean, I didn't see that was it live. A, that was a – I didn't – they showed us the replay. That was a weird one. I couldn't really tell if they got tangled up or, or really what the story was. You don't see that. Did he stick his that. stick out or something? He was hard to tell. Okay. It, it, it was, yeah. So you get a, a little bit of time for Michigan, then some four-on-four, four, and a little bit of time for Ohio State. Um, nothing really happens. Uh, I thought Ohio State had a couple power plays, too. Holtz took a kind of dumb middle uh, neutral zone penalty where he kind of shoves a guy in the back, kind of away from the play. And then Hallam gets called for a trip. I thought that was a bit soft, personally. But... And the Holtz one was that was very dumb, but Portillo looked really good um, in on those power plays, more specifically the second one because they had trouble clearing. Um, but basically, the first period was just it was just special teams, and you know that's you know I was may mentioned this earlier when we got sidetracked, but I was talking to Peter and and because he went down to the game with me or we we went together and um, so he said that on Friday he went to see Western play Colorado College. And he's like, you know how many penalties that were in that game? And I said, I don't. He's like, three. I was like, total? He's like, yeah. He's like, it's just a different officiated league. Like, when I go to see those teams, there's just not as many penalties called. Yeah, that's interesting because actually a few weeks back, 
during the Penn State situation, uh, I messaged uh, Nate Wells and was basically like, you know, like, what's the temperature like around college hockey about this stuff? Because like Big Ten people are just like ready to jump out a window over it. Yeah. And he was basically like, there's some discontent all over, but it's it's been a challenge nationally. And then actually on Saturday, he sent me a tweet that just was from uh, a guy. I'm trying to see who this person it's just new england hockey journal the tweet is really don't like where the game is in hockey east right now the endless reviews the bad calls terrible product imo Hmm. and he sent me that and said saw this and thought of you (laughs) (laughs) so i I, it really seems like it's it's conference by conference but there are other conferences that are are upset too i guess and it just it just it's not hockey anymore at that point right like you're just alternating power plays and you don't really get five on five. You don't. Re- it's not really about who has the better game overall. It's who has the better special teams. Which there's something to be said for that's a part of hockey. I'm not saying that, but I mean, I'd be like playing basketball and saying, okay, we're going to alternate, and you're going to sit out a person for a couple minutes, and then we're going to sit out a couple person for minutes, and you're going to sit out a couple person, and so you never really get any like actual basketball where you have teams going back and forth. It's just sort of these specialized situations. And you can argue that, well, you know, don't take penalties. Well, okay. But a lot of the penalties that are called seemingly, like, are not blatant, right? They're just like, yeah, okay, I guess if you're going to go ticky-tack by the letter of the law, that could be a penalty. But we see football games that you could call holding on every play, and they don't. And they call it at times, and then not a lot at other times. And it's slightly more of a watchable product when that happens. Yep. All right. So this game to me kind of comes down to the first 35 minutes and then the last 25 minutes a little bit like that Friday game against Michigan State. And so Michigan looks decently well, pretty good in the first period. And then for a lot of the second, uh, McGroarty, Brindley, and Casey all have great looks to start the second period. Um, And Dobish was – I mean he was the story of this game too is – that Portillo played well for the first half-ish and then had some troubles, and Dobish played really, really well all game. And, I mean, when you get that kind of performance out of a goalie and you can score some goals, it's pretty much good night. Yeah, I mean, this was a very sharp outing from from Dobish, no question. Um, <clears throat> but you got to figure out ways to solve a goalie, and, and again, they had some open looks, and just didn't convert on them early in the game that would have had the ability to uh, consolidate control. Yep, I have Hallam down for getting pretty in tight on Dobish, and he made quite a save. I mean, Michigan had, I don't know, four or five really good opportunities to score, and he made all those saves. Most of those came in the first, like I said, 35 minutes or so. Um, About halfway through, shots were 20 to 14 Ohio State, Um, but Michigan had good chances. Then we get the first hole in the ice where we stop the game and someone removes, like, I don't know. It looked like it was about a foot or more by five inches of, like, ice. It was Is it under the boards? Is that what it was? It was, like, along the boards. There was a little, like, patch that had a big hole. <laughs> How do you get a hole in ice like that? Like, does someone, like, take a stake out there and just kind of, like, start hammering in? and like? It just sometimes it comes free, you know? Well, I've never seen that. That was kind of why I was asking. <laughs> that question. I mean, ice if if the ice is soft and it's it's not, you know, it can it can break and then kind of becomes a problem. You know what I found interesting is like we talked earlier about how the NHL had a game in North Carolina. 
Yep. Which is multiple states south yep. of Ohio that night. Yep. And there were no ice issues. Yeah, they did all right in that one. Well, good for them, I guess. So they take a break and players are out skating around on the parts of the ice that don't have holes in them. And, you know, then they start to, you know, they, they get it kind of fixed and they start, they try to start it up again. And, um, Brindley takes us, gets called for a slashing penalty on a bit of a rush. And, um, pretty much get nothing on that i mean i had nothing written down so michigan so far has killed off four panel power plays for the most part looks pretty good one of them portillo had to be a little bit better than normal but um you know they're, they're through the first four and then um on five at five on five uh luca pinches into the zone doesn't get the play doesn't get the puck and it's a two-on-one the other way. Cole McWard comes down the left side, and it I couldn't tell if this beat Portillo far side or five-hole. I don't know if you have a better review I of it. I thought it was five-hole at the time. I'm watching, again, Ohio State tweets out these these videos of them, but they're, like, taken by someone's, like, professional camera, not the broadcast. And, like, so this one's from, like, the boards, roughly. It's just, like, a weird <laughs> angle. And it's not like the most high definition. I still think it it beat him five hole. I mean, Portillo goes a little odd here. He goes down on one knee on one, and then he's you know still on his skates on the other one instead of like a true butterfly. And I think it just went through that kind of exposed hole with that position he was in. So it's not a great goal. I was not happy at the time. I mean, it's a two on one. So part of that is on hey, you know, Luke, if you're going to pinch, you got to get it, and he didn't. Um, so now you put your goalie in a situation, but this is a shot that probably is. Saved. I mean, it's a defenseman make the save. It's a defenseman make the save. Oh, McCole McWard. I mean, but, you can't let a defenseman beat you on a on a rush. Like, I'm sorry. Okay. Unless it's unless it's an offensive defenseman is really a scorer. And like, that's not McWard. Like, I mean, if it's low right, maybe we can talk about it. But okay. it's Cole McWard. What if it's I mean, Luke Hughes? This was a guy that was in Michigan's class, like originally. Yeah. And then didn't for a reason. So. Uh, right after that, Mackey's called for a cross check, and this is all in these like five minute restart. Um, yeah, or no, this is after the period break or the quote unquote period break. Yeah, the the McWard goal was right after the restart, and right. then they did the break, and then they and did then, the break. So and then yeah. that's about the thirty five minute point where they go yeah. off, and it's one zero, and then after that, you get this rush of goals where it's one nothing Ohio State. As soon as they get back. Mackey takes the cross check, and Wise is alone in front. A pretty nice pass from below the blue line, but no one is near Wise, and he just kind of chip redirects it in front. That's the one that Portello didn't have a chance on. It's 2-0 Ohio State, and you're just feeling at this point like, well, Michigan had their chances. They couldn't finish theirs. Ohio State had two pretty good chances. They finished theirs, and this is all but done, except for then Gavin Brindley takes a shot from, I think he's above the house line, really near the top of it, and it goes bar down, basically, and beats Dobish. Uh, looked like there was a screen that he shot around or through to make it 2-1. to one. So, you know, you're kind of like, all right, we just got back into it. But it's a little bit like getting, you know, a kick return for a touchdown when you're down 14-0 all game. And you're like, okay, that's good. Uh, our offense still hasn't done anything. Yeah, well, the Brindley goal, my only thought on it is they didn't really get it on BTN. 
Um, <laughs> they were coming, like they were showing a replay, and it was right off the face-off, basically. So nobody captured it, and they didn't rewind it. Not really. Um, <laughs> I mean, the Ohio State one, I think, deserves a little more uh, discussion. Okay. Because this just, I mean, this is just... It's a bad pa- penalty w- kill? No, I mean, it's this is one of the worst defensive breakdowns we've seen all season. I mean, this is just... It's on the... It's a power play goal, though. There's a guy walking down the slot with nobody anywhere close. Guys standing around. I mean, this is, for me, that that's one that, as a coach, you're just furious about to me. I mean, that just can't happen. Do you End know who's on the ice for that? Uh, let me look the at ice. the look, look at the one. Uh, here's uh, Keaton Pearson goes into the corner. He's the yeah. one pursuing the puck. He's fine. Uh, I'm trying to see. There's, there's just three guys standing around. It looks like Estapa was out there. I can't tell who those other guys are, but I mean, obviously you have a pass to the slot, but on a on a penalty kill, you cannot have a guy all alone in the slot well, with the no thing, one even close. And like I said, like their penalty kill up until that point was pretty good. Yeah, I mean that. It just seemed more like they didn't come out of the locker room after that stoppage. Like I, Ohio I, State I, came out and they played, and Michigan. I mean, because this isn't the end of it. There are breakdowns after this. Yep, and. I, I, it, I don't really know what to say. Obviously, I wasn't down there. But when you're watching the game, you were like, this is just a different team than we saw in the first 30, 35 minutes. So 2-1. Um, and then, I guess, right at the end of the period, Michigan gets their power play. And this is kind of where it all the wheels just kind of come off is um, they have a, a, a pass up the boards from a forward back to a defenseman that doesn't quite get there and it's a turnover. So it's a two on one going back the other way. And the original sh- shot, so it's shorthanded for Ohio state. The original shot is saved by Portillo. He's, he comes out, makes a save and he's down. No one really gets the rebound. It just kind of bounces around. Nobody clears it, even though you have more guys on the ice. And eventually Tyler Duke comes up with it uh, in the slot again and fires it into the open net. And part of the reason that that net was open was Portillo was down, makes the save, tries to get up, and I think falls over his own stick or his own leg. I'm not really sure. But somehow, as he's trying to get up, he falls down again. And so leaving the net mostly exposed, and Duke is just like, well, I'll take a shorty. I mean, I tweeted after that happened. I was something like, deeply embarrassing... sequence of events in the final five minutes of that period because the, you get that power play goal that's just rancid yeah and then this is just <laughs> you don't know it, it, there's nothing else to say it, well, it's it it's not one person it, it's just a complete meltdown all across the board you don't, and, it's, and it starts you, you, you give up a two-on-one five seconds into a power play on a face-off you won yeah, because you don't <laughs> – And so that's the, that's the start of the problem. So the only thing I can say with that is, like, is the ice at that point so bad that the puck doesn't get there? I mean, maybe maybe it's not. Maybe it's fine. That's the only thing I can come up with. But it's picked off. You're going back the other way. And then also clear the puck. Like, Port Hill doesn't get beat on the original shot. So somebody come in and clear the puck. No, so that one I'm I'm – more okay with because he makes the save and the rebound bounces straight to the guy and Duke uh no I'm talking to the guy below the goal line I'm watching it right now okay it wise takes the shot Portillo saves it it kicks like straight back to wise he goes down below the goal line he gets to it the Michigan defensemen aren't able to get there in time that's all fine what you cannot have happen is the pass from below the goal line to the slot number one yeah and then number two and this is the most important part 
you got to have a goalie in the net. You got to get up. I mean, it's, yeah, this was, this was a sequence of events where you start throwing things at the TV because it, I don't really know what else to say. I mean, and this is the thing about Portillo for me right now is that like, I'm not a goalie coach, but I feel like if you get a goalie coach in there, like the first thing they're going to talk about is like, there's just so much technical stuff that's got to be cleaned up right now. Like, but because like it wasn't like this last year. There's was a it? whole there's a whole list of issues right now. Like the fact that he loses his stick like nine times per game. Yeah. What? Why? How is that happening? Can you duct tape it to him? <laughs> like so, there's that, and then the, this is the same kind of goal we've seen like six, seven times this year, where he makes a save, and then he's just on the ice for like 15 seconds. What's going on here? <laughs> Get up, get back in the net. I mean, how many times have we seen a guy shoot into an empty net where Portillo is like Sprawl. doing a barrel roll through, <laughs> wow, trying to make a save, right? Barrel I mean, roll. what? <laughs> it's just. <sighs> so it's it's three to one at the end of the second period, even though the end of the second period was five minutes earlier because chunks had fallen out of the ice. But I, the one thing I also say about Portillo, by the way, All right. is that. All this like weird diving around and all the swimming he does in the crease, like he wasn't like that last year Mm-mm. or the year before. Mm-mm. He he had a very strong structure to his game, and now all of a sudden, you know, he's like <laughs> he's Michigan's least affordable, uh, you know, Dominic Hoshik impersonator or whatever, right? Like, well, <laughs> Hoshik was usually. But that's the thing. Like, in the crease. Well, he's doing the Hashik stuff. Hashik was always rolling around in the crease and doing all kinds of bizarre and conventional stuff. Problem was, Hashik made the saves. Portillo doesn't. But Hashik, like, didn't stop moving. Portillo kind of stops moving a lot. And that's the part that I don't really understand. Is it sort of like he goes for the fumble and dives on the, bo- the ball and it squirts out. And then he continues to cover the fumble that isn't there and then looks around and realizes, oh, the ball's still bouncing. I should probably get up and go get the ball. But he doesn't. He just kind of keeps laying there. And it takes several seconds for him to usually get back into position to make another save. And so I brought this up where you remember the Wisconsin game that he his first start in the in the fake COVID year or whatever that where the guy comes across the crease and the slot in front of him drags him from his right to his left shoots portillo makes the save yep. doesn't keep the puck but it it squirts away he gets back up because the puck reverses somehow back to the opposite point he gets up and is in position and completely eats the shot and saves it and in his belly and freezes it and i remember watching that being like whoa that was it was really good for a big man to be able to move like that and to get back into position and to react like this year, it feels like he get, if he got dragged out of the ice and made that same save, which I think he can make, there's no way he's getting back to the other side of the crease. No, I mean, there's been um, there's been some people out there that have been saying things about Portillo that I don't really agree with at all. People that have listened to this podcast or read my stuff, I was as big of a Portillo fan as anybody. Yeah. Like, people that argue that Portillo wasn't that great last year, like, no, he was great. The second half of the season, especially, yeah, like they don't win that 
Quinnipiac game without Portillo. Like right. he re and they don't get to overtime against Denver. It's probably not even right. a competitive game without Portillo. Like he was really good. He had a nine- well, the Notre Dame uh, semifinal game. Yeah, I mean, and had- then even parts of the Big Ten championship game. Freshman year, he had a nine thirty five only in seven games, but that was higher than than Strauss Mann, By the way, he was right right there. He had a nine. Tw- uh, well, let's see, what did he have last year? I'm trying to pull this up. Uh, he had a. I'd have to look at that in a minute, but it was like 940 in the second half. Full season, I think yeah, it was like in the nine. 90- you did a breakdown of in. Yeah, in like season. he got a lot better in this. Here it is, 926 for the year, and it was over 940 in the second half. That's, like Both he, are pretty good. He was as good as any goalie in the country. He was strong. He was structured. He was using his size. He had a little bit of issue with rebounds. He'd have the occasional puck playing thing, blah, blah, blah. I know that. But he was really, really good, mm-hmm. and I was pretty certain he was going to be the best goalie in the conference this year. And now we're in a situation where I think unquestionably he is the biggest thing that you would worry about with this team in the tournament. Yeah. Um, I think injuries are still my thing, but I could, and the only reason being, so I don't understand this. Didn't you think he was pretty good on Thursday? Yeah, I thought he was fine on Thursday. Didn't you think he was pretty good in the first 35 minutes? Yeah, I thought so. So what happened? <laughs> like, that's the thing that I... And we haven't even but gotten the fourth it, goal it, yet. It's a bit of putting... I mean, this is what I put in my column last week. Like, here <laughs> here are the, the goals allowed since the Minnesota series. This is even in the time where Michigan's been hot and been winning games, yeah. right? 4-4-3-4-2-4-2-3-3-4. Michigan won a lot of those games. But my point, kind of what I wrote last week, is that, like, in the tournament, you're going to play games in which you are not scoring a ton of goals. And they this was kind of the case in the outdoor game. They only scored two in that game. Like, you're going to face good goaltenders. Yeah. I think part of the thing that has obscured that in the Big Ten this year is the Big Ten doesn't have a lot of dominant goalies this year. Um, like, Close has good no. numbers, but I think he's very beatable when you have good and shooters. Dobish, Dobish has been good, now. but he hasn't been as great as he was last year right. as a whole. I mean, Soulier has been better, but also still is not elite. Uh, um, he wasn't good on... Friday night. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, St. Cyr's been solid. I mean, there's just not really, like, a, obviously, Levi Northeastern. I mean, Parrots at uh, Quinnipiac's been unbelievable this year. Like, there isn't uh, 945 Kale Morris going on yeah. in the Big Ten this year. And so Michigan's been able to kind of outshoot that. But in the tournament, you're probably going to play at least one team that knows how to play defense, that knows that has a goalie that's sharp on that day. And is only going to let in two, maybe a third in an overtime. But, like, can you get to overtime tied 2-2? I'm not sure this team can No, and right I think, now. I think <laughs> they, whether it's Portillo one night or it's defense another night, they're yeah. just giving up too many goals right now. I think that's correct. I think between the inconsistent defense and the inconsistent goaltending, you add that together, and that's that's a problem. Part of that is probably guys in now the lineup, and you're giving top four minutes to players who probably should barely be playing in the bottom six or the bottom pair. But here we are. So it's 3-1, and Michigan gets another power play. So, good Lord, so many powers. There were 13 power plays in this game. That seems way too many for just a hockey game. It's a lot. They don't really do a whole lot on it. Um, Dobish makes a couple of good good saves, but other than that, there's nothing super dangerous. Um, and then, and then, oh man, Ohio State gets, I have back-to-back breakaways. (laughs) Portillo makes one save, the other one goes wide. But like, at this point, the defense is just ripped apart at the seams. Um, You know, they can't even keep the puck 
they can't get back to stop anything that, that Ohio State's doing in transition. Um, and, an open net is sort of missed from Ohio State, and you're just kind of teetering on the edge. And then you have one last good play by Michigan where you have a really nice entrance by Frank Nazer, one of the first really good plays he makes aside from his goal. Uh, he has a nice little drop pass to Hallam after that who gets it in transition, takes a shot, and Ciccolini's right there for the rebound and pokes it in. It's 3-2, to two, and you're like, well, you know, hey, maybe we're going to see the inverse of Thursday and they're going to like just come back and, and tie it and steal a point or whatever. Um, but then you get a, a – again, I thought this was a soft call, but like Moyles called for interference, um, which just sort of looked like a puck battle to me. And it looks in some ways like he's having his stick held and maybe he grabs the other guy. I don't know. It just seems like a let them play time. But they call a power play for Ohio State or a penalty on – Moyle, which leads to a power play for Ohio State. And then Stephen Halliday, like, takes a shot from a really poor angle, and I think it hits Portillo's stick. His stick is sort of sticking out, and it hits the inside of his stick and bounces back inside him. And it's not a shot. It's a centering pass that deflects in. Well, okay. So yeah, it wasn't even a shot. I mean, it goes in off Portillo. I mean, it hits of, the inside of his stick, kind of right? puts it in his own net. Which is just... Yeah, I mean, you just can't. It's it's a bad bounce. I'm not going to say that, but like, you can't have your stick there, right? Because you you're basically creating a wall. My reaction when I saw it was good riddance. <laughs> Do you have these documented? I'd like, like, <laughs> like you make a lot of like really explosive sounds during games when things happen, and it's very entertaining and enjoyable. And then like you you tell me all of your your reactions during these things. Like, what an embarrassing sequencer. <laughs> good riddance, sir. <laughs> You were born to be a writer. I think that's what it is. But So it's 4-2, to two, and then the note-taking ceased. There's nothing else to say about that. Michigan got about 10 shots down the stretch. None of them went in. It just seemed like a corpse that just couldn't finish. I, I mean, I think my feeling about the weekend is they were going to lose a game. Probably. They weren't just going to win every game the rest of the season. And at Ohio State, no problem losing that kind of game. Like, that's one if you're doing the old mental scheduling in your head, wins versus losses, yep. you'd kind of say, yeah, this is they're probably going to lose this game yep. and one of these two games. So that's fine. It just was a very, very uh, frustrating slash kind of concerning way to lose a game where you're right there, you're neck and neck, you're playing a great game with the other team, and then you just melt down. Well, you don't have Hughes for a lot of the, ser- a lot of the series. It's just that you have a 3-1 to lead in one game, and you play really well for 30-35 minutes of the other game, and then you just... I mean, they gave up four goals in 15 minutes. That's all you need to say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's probably true. So, one-point weekend. So, that leaves us at, um, well, Michigan and Ohio State are tied going into the final weekend. The bummer is they didn't get the tiebreaker because they didn't get enough points this weekend. So, they have to finish with more points in this next weekend than they than Ohio State does against Minnesota. And, of course, Michigan hosts Notre Dame, which uh, we'll get to into in a minute. But And then Ohio State goes to Minnesota. So you need to – I mean, you probably are going to end up needing at least four points, probably five or six. And there's no question that, my, that this team can do it. Um, will they is a different is – a, is a different question. So – um, let's take a look back at all of our old friends from the year because they actually played this week, Alex. I don't know if you looked through the scores or or the scheduling from this past week, but Lindenwood played a couple of games. They lost to the Ice Devils eight to two and then five to three, so they didn't get a win. But they had three leads and were tied going into the third in the second game, and then gave up a goal and an empty netter 
Um, but I played okay in that second game. Uh, you take what you can get in a first season. <laughs> BU uh, in they're they're Merrimack. in a big slump. They were the monitor this weekend, and they got beat down four to one, I think, at Merrimack. They had better stats, but got goalied in that game, and then lost in on Saturday too. This one that one went to overtime. In overtime, yeah, they were down two zero, up three two, and then lost in overtime. Well, they took fourth place in the Bean Pot. So Oof. BU is officially on a four-game losing streak. They are off the one line, falling down the board. Lake State won a game, two to one against St. So Thomas. BU is off the two line too. Wow, they're down to nine. Wow. Yeah. So that could so they that could give someone an absolutely loaded region if they're a three. I think they'll probably move back up. But so Lake State wins a game and then loses a game, two to one and two to one to St. Well, Thomas. St. Thomas is very bad too. It's bad. Yeah, they, that's. And Those are games you should not be allowed to watch. Western beat Colorado College four to one, and then two to one. Colorado College isn't great. Nope. And they've been slumping in the second half. So I don't know that Western gets a ton for that, but they got the wins they needed. Nope. And Harvard played the Confederacy and won five three over the Union, and then they won four zero over RPI, which should really help them in pairwise, right? If they're gaming the RPI. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I'll say about hockey is this is just an interesting thing because Quinnipiac was playing Brown on Saturday, but like, I feel like if you're a QPAC fan, are, the, are there other many QPAC fans? Uh, I don't know. If there are any <laughs> listening, they can email us. Um, we have a conjoined email. <laughs> uh, it must be so stressful to be the fan of a number one, you know, seed caliber team in the ECAC. Because it's like playing Wisconsin every week where you're basically like, we cannot lose any games because it would just destroy our pairwise. So they could lose. Because the- like three quarters of your games are against number 50 through 62 of pairwise. So you cannot have an off night. Do you also think that, I mean, if you're a top two or three team, do you also go into any of those games thinking we're probably going to lose? No, you don't. That's the upside. The downside is that you, you there's so much pressure. Like You just cannot have an off night. You cannot have a goalie have a bad game if you want to stay on the one line. That's probably true. Uh, in the Big Ten, there were a couple of series. Wisconsin played Michigan State, and they each won 6-2. to two. Michigan State dominated the Friday game. I watched a little bit of that. They got a five-minute major a few minutes into the game. And this one actually looked legit. The guy kind of, like, skates at somebody, leaves his skates, and, like, hits him in the head. And you're yeah. just like, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> That's Yeah, I watched about three minutes of that one, and then I couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> Wisconsin was just brutal. But on Saturday, they got the win, and uh, they fulfilled what I talked about last week. Wisconsin normally splits with teams at home. At home, yeah. Yep, so... Uh, bad news for Michigan State. Uh, they now are in a situation where they almost certainly have to win their first-round Big Ten series because they're done. They've played all 24 games so, in the conference. They sit 18th in pairwise right now. Oof. 30% odds to make it, according to College Hockey News' pairwise player. So they they got to they gotta win. What's their ceiling finish in the in the Big Ten regular season. Uh, we'll break that down in a second okay. once we do the Minnesota-Penn State So Penn game. State plays Minnesota, and this was kind of a bit of a hyped game that um, you know, it was going to be interesting to watch, and it was not on Friday. <laughs> they bombed PSU, as, and this was in Hockey Valley. So 
you know, I look up and it's like one zero, and then you, I have another game on, and it's two to zero, and then you know the period is three zero, and you're like, what is going on? It got up to I think like six zero at one point, seven to one, and finished seven to two. This game was never close. Well, there was the face masking call that gave uh, Minnesota a five minute power play. They scored twice on that, and okay. it was already four nothing yeah, when that happened. Yeah. I mean, so that made it six nothing, and it was just like. And then I didn't see any of the Saturday game, but Penn State, I think, led for a lot of that one. Yeah, Saturday game was wild. What I'll say about the Friday one briefly is, like, there's no question that uh, Cooley centering Snuggerudinize is the best line in the country, right? It would see, it would be hard to find a different one. I mean, that was just a stunning display of yeah. of scoring. I mean, Snuggerud scored, then Nyes, then Snuggerud, then Lacombe with assist from Cooley, then Cooley <laughs> assisted by Lacombe. Like, I mean, that they just ripped Penn State apart on Friday. And then on Saturday, they go out there and they save the game for Minnesota. Yeah. Because this game was tied through two. Uh, Penn State takes a lead with 2.03 to go in the game and looked like they were going to get the big win. And then uh, Minnesota says, not so fast. Matthew Nye scores to tie the game uh, on a great pass from Snuggerud, goes into OT, and then Cooley with just an unbelievable little spin move and pass across to Nye's for the winner uh, in the three-on-three. And and Penn State, that just a crushing emotional swing. You just went Lee Corso. Yeah. (laughs) They were on the verge, 39 seconds from three points, and then instead they get one. Yeah, so they basically have the same weekend that Michigan does. Yep. So, good weekend for Ohio State because they pretty much are going to be – well, Michigan and Ohio State are pretty much going to be the two and the three. It's just depending on how they do in their final weekend. So, yeah. should we go ahead and look at the standings and you can tell us where people will finish? Uh, sure. Wisconsin, 15 points. They're going to be last. They are playing at Penn State. They will probably finish with 15 points. Uh, Notre Dame, 31 points, tied with Penn State, also 31 points. Penn State, two home games against Wisconsin. You have to assume they'll finish with 37 because Wisconsin is a carcass on the road. Or at least 35 or 6. Yeah. Notre Dame, 31 points. They're playing Michigan. Big series. Michigan State stuck at 34 out of games to play. So uh, Michigan State's currently in the four spot, but assuming Penn State – Michigan State does – do they have the tiebreaker over Penn State? Let me look. They they do they do have it. So Penn State needs more than three points. They need points in both games to probably, to pass them, which they probably will. Yeah. So I will put my thumb on the scale and say that we assume Michigan State will not be at home to start their Big Ten tournament. Right. Uh, either Penn State or Notre Dame will pass them. But and and I believe they have the tiebreaker over Notre Dame. They do too. So they're they have that they're in that position. But so if Michigan sweeps Notre Dame. They will then either host Wisconsin or Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. Yes, assuming it, unless I don't know Penn State Notre Dame tiebreakers. Penn State's not getting swept at home by Wisconsin, so not even yeah. worth thinking about that scenario. So Penn State is probably going to finish fourth. Yes, Assu- unless yes. Notre Dame. In all likelihood, Penn State will be fourth. I would guess MSU will be fifth. Notre Dame will be sixth. <clears throat> so it'll be Penn State hosting MSU. Notre Dame going at either Michigan or Ohio State. That would be my guess at this point in time. Hmm. Yeah, it's just going to depend on. It really depends on what Michigan and how the Michigan Notre Dame series plays out. If Michigan plays the way that they should against them, I mean, they they I would I can't imagine that Michigan isn't favored to at least get 
four, five, six points in this series. But And Ohio State's at Minnesota, which we should mention. Yes. You know, that's not an easy series. They split in Columbus. I wouldn't be surprised if Minnesota swept them, to be quite frank. Right. Um, but I could at see At the very least, it'll be a split, is my guess. They'll probably... Didn't they start one of their, ba- their backup goalie in one of these games? They might have. I thought that they did. But. So if you're in Michigan's position, you feel good about getting the help that you need. Now you just have to do your job. You have and to do I your mean job. they won't they I don't think they'll get swept by Penn by Notre Dame. The question is is can they get that points out of that second game that could be the difference. Could be the difference. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's look at Notre Dame a little bit here. Uh this is uh, <laughs> Notre Dame is 14 14 and 4. So they so they're like really having to fight for wins just to get in the tournament because you have to be over 500, right? Now, do you have to be over 500 in wins and losses or do you have to be over 500 in terms of ties too? Uh, ties, I don't think, are a factor. Here. Okay. I think it's just wins versus losses. Do you have to be over 500 or do you have to be just not under 500? I don't remember the exact... Ooh, that's a good point. Either way, they need wins because yeah. if they get swept, then they're in real trouble because they're two games under. Then they're going to have to win. If they get swept, then they're going to either have to go to back to Ann Arbor or Columbus and get two and get two yeah so they this is they're on the ropes they're they enter the weekend at 16th in pairwise yeah college hockey news has them 52 percent right on uh the you know the 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 line there guess what they are in Corsi in probably we'll like, go through their percentage in a second because I wrote it down I usually don't but out of 60 teams or whatever guess what they are I would assume they're like 56th or something. Very close. Yeah. 53rd. Yeah, I mean, you know what their Corsi percentage is? 44. Yeah, I mean, they, they just get caved in every game. Yep. Eight, 18% on the power play, which is okay-ish, but 75% on the PK. That's It's not normal Notre Dame. Yeah, and that's that's not good. I mean, they're really being propped up by Bischel at, at 9.30. Yeah, so they have eight drafted skaters, but no one in the top couple rounds. They have a couple third-round guys that are a little bit older, and then... They have one skater who is at .75 points per game. They have no one that's over. They have no one with more than eight goals. I mean, Michigan needs to beat this team twice. I mean, okay, they have, you know, Portillo. They're shooting 8% as a team. Portillo could have a bad night or bad weekend or whatever, but they just cannot score. And Bischel's been good, 2.42 GAA, 930 save percentage. I mean, those are... Those are good. I think what you say about this is you can't be outplayed by Notre Dame. Yes. If you get unlucky, I guess that happens. But, like, Michigan has good finishers. You can't – there can't be majors everywhere. You can't – it just can't have guys kicked out. You have to have – you have to have learned from a couple weeks ago, you got to have your heads in this game. And if you do and you play up to your sort of ability, you have to like your chances. I think what – I'll be watching about this series is what we talked about earlier in terms of goals against, because this is a Notre Dame team that doesn't really score 75 goals in 32 games. We've seen Michigan play Wisconsin uh, this season, another team that really does not score, and they scored on Michigan. Now, Michigan beat them three out of the four games, and several of them very handily, but still, I mean, Wisconsin put up three, four... Two and four on Michigan. I mean, that's quite a few goals to be given up. Effects, I think, but yeah, partially, yeah. But like, I would like to see Michigan play a team that can't score and actually keep them off the board. Just snuff. I mean, obviously, I'll be happy if they beat Notre Dame six to four. But like, I would like to see this team be able to win games a little bit different of a way, play a little more structured, play a little more discipline, and be able to with 
big stakes. Take care of a team you're supposed to. But if they go beat. like four one three zero, that says a lot more about their about their ability in the coming weeks than say yes. seven to five. Yes, does. no doubt. And I believe the Friday game is 7 p.m. on BTN Plus and uh, the local CW. So if you get Detroit CW or whatever, Ann Arbor channel CW, 50. whatever it is, Channel 50, if you get that, you get to watch it on TV. But it also means that the BTS, the BTS, BTN stream should be better. It shouldn't be terrible because they'll just be taking the CW feed, I would guess. Yep. So that's a positive for... People wanting to watch that. And then Saturday Senior Night is at 8. It's a little bit late for David. but um, And that, that'll be on regular BTN. So hopefully Michigan will be playing for the two seed in that game. Um, and I believe Friday night's Ohio State-Minnesota game is at 9 on ESPNU. So after you watch Michigan and Notre Dame, or if you go to the game and you get back, it'll be a good time to watch minnesota ohio state and you should be able to see at least the final two periods of that so all right uh any wrap-up thoughts from either the weekend or anything looking ahead uh not really it's this is the the final stretch it's going to be interesting to see this weekend in big 10 because everybody's got something to play for everybody is is fighting for something so who who rises to the occasion for listening to Michigan Hockey Cast 5.17 for Alex Drain and David Nasternak. Come back next week where there will be no discussion of outdoor games. Indoor games only. Indoor games only.